Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is Monday, April 24th, 2017, and this is episode number 28. We are here to talk to you about the world of retro wrestling. Glad to be back with you. I, of course, am Joe Morata. This, of course, is Michael Quinn. How you doing, Quinn? Howdy, Didi. How's it going today, Quinny? Uh, good. Yeah? You ready to do this? I'm ready to do the do. <laughs> Actually, you're drinking the Coca-Cola. Yeah, do the Coke. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Like, like they did in the 80s, right? Yeah, just do it, Nike. <laughs> Sponsored. Yeah, sure. Folks, thank you so much for being back with us. We, of course, are your retro wrestling podcast. We've got some great topics for you. I know that because I'm doing the first one. Uh, Before we do that, Quinn, want to remind, of course, our fans that you can reach us at OVP Podcast on the Twitter. Yes. We like to talk. Yeah, we talk all the time with the Moonies and the Goonies. (laughs) Sometimes you'll live tweet uh, old shows. Yeah, I I, I like doing that now. I, I think I might get into that. It's a new thing for you, huh? Yeah, I was watching some championship wrestling the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make tweets of this. And then I, I discovered GIF.com. <laughs> GIF.com? Yeah, you can put the YouTube thing in there, and it lets you make GIFs of it. Now, it's GIF or JIF? I say GIF. I think JIF is stupid. There's no J in it. <laughs> it's peanut butter is yeah, JIF, right? peanut butter is JIF. That's what the choosy moms choose. One thing, folks, you can choose to do is to email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. You can send us your thoughts that way. You can also reach us on our website. What is that, Quinn? ovppodcast.com. That's right. And what kind of stuff can they do there? Chat or something? Well, basically, all the stuff that we have (laughs) ever is there. And then you can go there and click on it. (laughs) Is that how that works? Yeah, it's it's cool. It's got YouTube links and all sorts of goofy crap oh that's right we're on Remember youtube rss <laughs> yeah, you can it's use got that. that it's got and you can leave comments right on the posts now quinn there's a few podcatchers where they could find us as well where, what are those well there's a plethora there's itunes yes where you can leave a review we always love those we do uh there's google play music mm-hmm. stitcher yep blueberry Who cares? oh okay. whoa yeah fmplayer.web yep good one and uh tune in and you know we're everywhere <laughs> we are everywhere we're also on the place to be nation.com if you're not listening to us there you can always head over to that place and listen to us again yes and while you're there check out some of the other great podcasts uh quinn i know you're a big fan of their main podcast the place to be podcast the place to be podcast talking about all the you know wwf house shows from the 1980s mm-hmm. i think they're in 85 and they're that in includes 85? saturday night's main event as well yep and the wrestling classic they did uh, about yes. a month ago or so yeah. That was pretty good. They also have clotheslines and headlines to capitalize on some of the new going ons in the world of wrestling. What's new wrestling? I don't. We don't do that really. I don't know if it exists in this basement. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still reading WWF magazine from September ninety or eighty eight with Brutus the Barber on my desk. As a Shawn Michaels Hasbro sits on top of that magazine. Uh, you got to have a paperweight. <laughs> I'm just saying. Speaking of paperweights, there's a picture of Sheamus with the world championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you to our good friend who was on the show, Donnie, for giving that to us. Uh, yeah. Very big pickup we got there. Yeah. So, folks, without further ado, I guess we will start our show here. 
Quinn, it's my pick for the what do you think of part of the show. Oh, is it? It is. And this is someone that I know that we haven't talked about too much in detail on the show in passing, you know, here and there. Mm. Quinn, what do you think of Triple H? Triple Horse? Yeah, Triple Horse. Oh, what do I think? (laughs) Hmm. I have mixed feelings about Triple H. All right, let's hear a little bit of it. Well, as everyone knows, um, he had a period of time where he liked to bury everyone. I mean, okay. And he hit the people with the sledgy <laughs> and all that garbage. Yes. And there was just a little too much H. Was it more like 4H? Yeah, it was, it was like 7H. I don't know. It was too much H. Okay. But at the same time, I am a fan of his work in 2000. Oh, yeah, me too. I actually think his later work is not bad either. Um, when he, you know, when he wasn't really like, I'm the champion every day, seven days a week. Well, like 2008, stuff. 2009, 2010. Yeah, when he started to be like, I'm a, I'm a showcase match guy all yeah. of a sudden. Like, he's like the Undertaker or something. But yeah. they, it was actually pretty good. Okay. And I'm a fan in the case of NXT. I think he really made that what it is today. No question about it. I agree with you. Yes. So I guess we should start at the beginning like we usually do. Yeah. Well, he broke into the business in 91, I believe, he made his debut, and he was up in some promotion up in New Hampshire or something like that. What's his name? Rexy What? I, I always forget his name. Well, Terror Rising. Terror Rising. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he was trained by who, Quinn? You know this. Oh, Killer Kowalski. Walter Killer Kowalski. Killer Kowalski? That's me. Wow. Who doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> And he had purple tights in the later part you know, of his I career. I recently saw a commercial with Killer Kowalski where he's re- advertising like a wrestling board game in like 1983 <laughs> on a championship wrestling. No, you didn't. <laughs> it's real. He was apparently a really nice guy in real yeah. life. And so nice that he trained uh, Paul Levesque. You know, it's this yeah. guy's name. I mean, who would want to really train that guy? But. <laughs> hey, he uh, he did well for himself. You know, his, his first mainstream North American run came in WCW as Terrorizing. He started yeah. in 94. Our first look at Terrorizing. Which is a horrible name. Yeah. Let's be honest. Is, what you, is Terror is Rising? Terra. But what is, is that like Earth Rising? What is the name? Well, why? Because he that was name? like terrorizing people. Oh, terrorizing. I got you. You get it now? I got it. Okay. I didn't get that. Are you serious? I really didn't till like this second. I thought it was like, I just didn't care enough, honestly, <laughs> to just think about it for even five minutes. All right. So he then mysteriously in WCW becomes a French guy, and that would be Jean-Paul Levesque, as he always said. I was given the nickname Terrorizing. Well, now I am no longer a boy. I am Jean-Paul Levesque. This was strange. He was like a French aristocrat, and so he teamed up with the English aristocrat, uh, Lord Stephen Regal. Okay, that doesn't even make any sense from a historical per- <laughs> like perspective. Does don't, it the French you? and the English don't like each other. Why would they be teamed? Because they're both they wear stupid puffy shirts. I like, think that was the main thread. Yeah, I think WCW doesn't understand the world. <laughs> I think that's really the problem. <laughs> well, you know, maybe it was that they decided to put their you know international differences aside and team up and beat all the faces of WCW. What yeah, do you think was, of that? I, I guess so. I guess he was done terrorizing the faces <laughs> of WCW. <laughs> now he's going to give him a croissant. Yeah. <laughs> so if he can't beat him. Join him. <laughs> A wee wee. Yeah. So then speaking of wee wee, he leaves the WCW and he 
the WCW, who my Bret Hart. The WCW! Yeah, and he walks into a bunch of wee-wee over in WWF at the time. And, and poo-poo. Yeah, it was, that was, it was the dumpy times when he showed up. Now, Quinn, you and I were both watching by then in 95. Yeah. Do you remember his initial vignettes by any yeah, chance? Yeah, he was like, he had the white gloves on, yes. and like he's like, oh, I'm rich, and I'm look rich. at my cane. And like, <laughs> exactly. He actually, that music was very I think it was like the better version of like it more encapsulated like William Regal. Like I always thought like when he came to WWF, he should have just gotten that music. Music was awesome. Yeah. Um, he initially had a very bizarre, almost English accent. Yeah. That? Are you listening? I, but he just I, couldn't I don't do get it. the blue blood thing because it's not like people like that still existed in like northern Connecticut or something like in 1995. I know, but it's Vince McMahon, so you know. He's got, I, don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's like he watched movies from like the Tens. 19-teens or something and was like, this is what gentlemen were like in Connecticut. So he makes his debut in mid-95. I remember, too. I was like, this guy's, I don't get it. I was like, he's a rich guy. Like, who cares? I got it. snob. I get it. He's a snob. What I didn't like understand is like why is this sissy like gonna beat up anybody (laughs) yeah well i mean like that's like what they kind of portrayed him as like he remember he was like afraid of like mud and stuff (laughs) he was yeah against henry goblin right yeah Yeah, that's right he was afraid of mud he actually had a bit of an undefeated streak that no one really talks about but he (laughs) he did i remember that and then of course the whole thing where he joined up in real life with the click of course being sean michaels sean Sean waltman now did that happen before he was squashed at from WrestleMania, 12. yeah, because that yes. was the reaction to another thing. Right? Yes, so he's part of the clique, you know, the backstage group that um, maybe wielded some power. Some might say, I don't know. There allegedly. was a little wield. There was some wield, and um, so he was friends with Sean and Razor and Diesel and One Two Three Kid. And anyway, so he infamously jobs to the Ultimate Warrior and Warriors Return at WrestleMania Twelve, which. which- Allegedly was a reaction to the thing in MSG where they clicked hands or whatever. But it it wasn't because that happened two months later. Really? Yes. Oh, right, because Razor wasn't gone. Then why did people say that? I don't know. It's people still, it's misremember even in my that. Brain. See, like, I know. I, yeah, I'm that, glad you brought that up because people seem to misremember that as a punishment. Huh. For MSG. That is true. The reason he did that job, from what I understand, is in agreement for the push he was about to receive, which included winning King of the Ring 96. Which he didn't because of the other thing. The punishment for the click incident with the MSG incident where they all broke a K-Fob there. Yeah, and the fob uh, was yeah. broken. And they um, you know, did the Wolfpack sign or something in the mm-hmm. cage. And because yeah. one guy caught it on camera, it was the biggest deal in the world. I don't know like why it was such and a big like deal. he's like yelling, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you ever see that? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like yeah. Joey Styles was there. Mr. ECW and the <laughs> rafters of MSG. So Triple H's push is then delayed, but not, you know, was never going to be completely stopped. You could tell Vince always wanted to make something of this guy the whole time. I don't know why, but no. I, I mean, honestly, he there wasn't anything to exhibit that he was that great or anything. He was a hard worker. He was a charismatic in-ring performer. You know who was also a hard worker that was fighting around that time? Who? 
Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, they wound up being able to push Austin because of the click right. incident. But doesn't that bother you to a certain extent that they were like willing, like like before that happened, they were like, you know, that Stone Cold guy who's giving good promos, and <laughs> put him on the side. Let's let's push the blue blood. Nobody gives a shit. Character. Okay, fair enough. Now Triple H's push gets resumed. He gets China as his bodyguard in early '97. That's when he finally gets over. Yes, because he had some attitude. Yes, he wasn't like just some idiot, just like. I'm better than you. Like <laughs> he was like, no, I'm an asshole. I got this I woman hide that, behind a woman. Yeah, this woman than... who like beats people up for me. Exactly. Like, and he also got the good music, uh, "Ode to Joy," mm-hmm. which was awesome as his theme. Yeah, that was probably his best theme in the Blue Blood character. Yes. Even though I like the original, me theme, too. But, that was yeah. awesome as his theme music, and he started to switch over to like these goofy robe things. Yeah, like he, the, he looked cool, over the top. Yep. Yeah, I, I did like that. I didn't like his endless feud with Goldust in '97. <laughs> that was pretty. Bad. Yeah, with Marlena. Yep. Yep. And apparently, you know, he, he and Shawn Michaels had really wanted to team up backstage. You know, um, Vince kept saying no. Finally, Vince gave in after SummerSlam, and they did, was basically the pre-DX right. team up with them in China and it was, then Rude. It just started, like, I felt like, what was weird about it, do you remember Triple H was still wearing, like, pink shirts? And, yes. like, he was kind of like a blue blood He was still of. the blue blood for a little kind while. Of. He phased out of it, right? Yeah, it was very weird. And then finally he starts wearing just regular t-shirts. Right. And, like, you know, his, you know what's even weirder is, like, during that transition phase is that he had his, like, Triple H tights, mm-hmm. but, like, they were, like, DXified. It was, like, they really were. weird. Like, they were. You're right. Yeah. Now, Quinn, during the DX run with Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. the original DX, the good you know, obviously a revolutionary stable in, in their way. Didn't Triple H come across to you as, like, who the hell is this guy hanging out with Shawn yes. Michaels? I always thought that and it actually pissed me off when they like kick Shawn michaels out because i was like really the jabroni of dx is gonna like run it like yes. this is stupid like, it's a bit of revisionist history that like triple h was some big deal no like it this thing was Shawn michaels yes. baby like this was his deal yep like triple h likes to act like he was like the visionary behind <laughs> dx it's like nah this was a Shawn michaels joint and like everyone was positioned around him to like base essentially like be like to play off of him basically Basically. Absolutely. This was Shawn Michaels all the way. Right. Now, of course, like you alluded to, Quinn Michaels leaves after WrestleMania 14, so we get the face version of DX, which we've talked about a bit. Yeah. That's where Triple H becomes, uh, you know, slowly to move up the card, right? Wins the Intercontinental title from The Rock. Starts feuding with The Rock mainly. Exactly. That was what, I think that feud is kind of like what cemented him as like, oh, this guy's like a big thing. Good, good feud. I don't think anybody was like, okay with ever with him being a big thing did you did you ever feel that it was like it was almost like he got strong-armed into it like always but like see this is the difference between now and then Mm -hmm. it was a very subtle strong arm right but like looking back we can see it was strong-armed in but while we were living through it it just kind of happened yes but nowadays with roman reigns it's like shove down your throat like you have to know he's like like it wasn't like that well there was a point where it was quinn and i'll get to that in a second so triple h goes down to a knee injury right mm-hmm. comes back they have that whole dx china feud thing kane whatever it didn't matter it was stupid right triple h finally turns heel then he's shoved down your throat the summer of 99 quinn where he gets like i am the game uh and i am that damn good uh but i felt like sledgehammer he was, uh. here's the thing with that is i i disagree with that because i already had felt like he was sort of a main eventer at that point but he hadn't ever main evented so i don't know no, but I, it was just from. he was treated as like an actual threat or prior to An that upper mid card he was never in the main event scene. 
I felt it was further enough along the way. It's not like Roman Reigns where it's like, no, this was just some guy that was a piece of a thing. And no, then like all of, all of a sudden he's beaten like everyone. I, I think you're given too much revisionist history on that. I lived through it. Trust I, me. You lived through he it. He was I'm, on every segment of Raw for like right, four months but in that's, a row. That's why you think that is what I'm saying is that it didn't. It came along a little more subtly than your. I don't think so. No, I don't. Th- I think you're misremembering that. It was not subtle. They were like, "We're getting this guy over." You guys talk about being students of the game. I am the f-ing game, Jr. I just felt to me living through it was that it just felt like all of a sudden. Triple H is here, but I kind of like, I know who he is and stuff, so it's not that bad. Yeah, we knew who he was, but he wasn't ever a big... Remember the short tights? They did everything they could. The new music. They were getting that guy over. And oh, well, yeah, I mean, by that point, but that was also a, a repackaging on top of it. Yes, too. it was. Yeah. So anyway, we get to uh, the end of 99. He's still like mildly over as a heel. Yeah. But the Mick Foley feud in 2000. Yes, that put him over. That was huge, and that kicked off probably one of the greatest years of wrestling and a great run for Triple H 2000. Yes, I think that's Triple H's time. Um, Literally. In, a little into 2001, yep, too. Yep. Um, but yeah, that was the time when it, it established that, no, this guy can go and he's he's a main eventer. And like, they're, they're, even though like you want to say it was more, it was strong-armed a lot, I think it was a more subtle strong-arm, regardless of what it was. At that Reach point, us on Twitter and let us know, yeah, folks. At, at that point, he was... I felt he was at least worthy. He, he was. was, he was I agree. Like, it was like, this guy belongs here. I agree. I, I do agree that he belonged yeah. there. His work in 2000 alone is yeah. proof of that. He was awesome in 2000. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best heels I've ever seen. I hated him because he was yeah. so good at being I always a heel. bring up that Jericho thing. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's just kind of proof enough. Is like, if Jericho even, like, slightly got one over on him it was like the whole crowd was like oh shit like it was like this is fantastic had a great iron man match with the rock yeah you know he had a lot of good stuff but then of course after the uh the initial quad injury of oh one comes back as a bloated ass steroid face in oh two that's a triple h i don't like this is where we're to the point where like no we're gonna sustain this forever like it felt like forever like this was like this was going to be the rest of our lives in wrestling was Triple H, <laughs> and, and it might be, but like I, I mean, not it's not as bad anymore. To be no, fair. no, but like, from O two to about O seven, yeah, it was God, so long. That's a version of him I don't like. And here to to start wrapping it up here, Quinn, because I mean, we can't keep going with his career because it is really long. Yeah, I feel like WWE and or Triple H himself have positioned him. As one of these all-time greats. That, I agree. This, like on a level yeah. of a Ric Flair and a no, Harley Race yeah, exactly. and an Austin. It feels like they really kind of decided that he's one of the best things to ever happen. And when he's he, not. He's just like, maybe he was like a good year and a half of good, and yeah. then that was it. Like Ric Flair, like if you want to just, <laughs> as an example, yeah, right? right. Ric Flair was good for like a decade. At least. Yeah, at, at the least. very least. At least, and, yeah. and probably longer. Triple H... His what? great run was like a year and three months or something. His really good work? Yeah. yeah. Now, was he a solid worker? Sure. Yeah. Dependable? Mm-hmm. Good in the ring? Safe? Didn't hurt people? Didn't do drugs? Like, reliable? Great. Yeah. One of the all-time greats, though? It's insane. He doesn't have, like, that many epic matches. As much as he tries to put on a 30-minute epic every year at WrestleMania now, Yeah. none of them are really that good. No, they're not. <laughs> You know, and he's had some good stuff, but so has other guys. It's not yeah. <laughs> like that impressive. I don't know. They just try to act like he's like set apart, like he's just that 
much better than everyone, and he should be. Te- everybody should be wrestling the way he wrestled. Like, right? You know, you know how they act like that yeah. too. It's like, what? Honestly, you wouldn't have a fucking career if it wasn't for Mick Foley. Yeah, I think. So the thing about Triple H is, I do like him. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he's a solid worker. I liked a lot of his work. I think he has a good mind for the business. Great, too, which is great is, mind. It has been proven absolutely with NXT. Absolutely, I can. We'll never fault him there. Did he hold people down? Yeah, maybe. I mean, we weren't there. Maybe. Well, like Booker T. Yes. Well, I mean, I think everyone's perception of Booker T is wildly different because of that one point at, at WrestleMania 19. Like, they really screwed him up. You think like, if Booker would have beaten Triple yes, H, it would have changed his trajectory? Would, I think it would have, yes, it would have drastically changed his trajectory, yes. But, Quinn, who are we to say that Triple H made the call to win? I'm not it's saying never that. never been proven. Who, the point is, is that Triple H the was the one there. and Right, but he, Vince makes the call. All, Vince is still the booker. Listen, all I'm saying is that whatever you think with Triple H, like, he shouldn't have gone over there. Okay, like, fair enough. I, and, I, mean, it, I don't it, disagree. It, it drastically altered, like, a guy whose star was, like, rising. In 03, in yeah. the prime of his career, maybe, right, too. exactly. I don't disagree with you. I yeah. think that's a fair point. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. But oh, you're overall on Triple H. Do you like him? Yeah, he's fine. I he's mean, fine. he's not, like, the best thing ever, but he's okay. He wouldn't go on one of your top tens. No. Top 20? He would, he would, let's put it this way. If there was, like, a Rushmore of the best wrestlers ever, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be, like, even in that. Like, would he in, even be near the mountain? No. No, I agree. But a good guy. A good, yeah. like, just a good worker. A good hand, as they say. Yeah. Good matches. Knew how to put a good match on. Yeah. Especially if he had someone good to dance with. You know what I mean? He could do something really good, really memorable. Great heel work. Yep. Face work. Eh. You know. It's Man, not hard. It's not face. hard to say. Are you ready? You know yeah, what I mean. It's not hard to get mad at someone for a dog or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But good heel uh, had some good matches. One of the greatest of all time. No. Yeah. Anything else, Quinn? That's basically it. That's basically Triple H. Yeah. That's Just Triple kind of H there in a nutshell. <laughs> Just kind of there. Yeah. And we'll be right there after this. A Triple H, The Rock says, we seem to have developed a little pattern here. And that pattern is that every single week you come out here and you run your mouth and every single week you subject all of us to watch you stand in the middle of the ring, grab a microphone, and you say this. Tonight, uh, no, no! I am the game. And in this very ring, for the next 20 minutes, uh, is he constipated? I'm going to be talking uh, and saying absolutely nothing. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you this Monday, April 24th, 2017. Here with a very feisty Michael Quinn today. Yes. <laughs> so much feist. Feisty. <laughs> Quinn, it's time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, folks, where we are going to put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore and four of the worst into the desert of Death Valley. With the Roadrunner? Yeah, maybe. Coyote? Uh, who knows? You don't know who's there. The Undertaker's still there, I think. Yeah, I, he's going to be there for a while. 
He'll be there for a while. Until the Hall of Fame next year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Come out of his grave. We'll go through these, but be sure to let us know what yours are. We like to get our listener feedback on this. You can tweet at us at OVP Podcast or email us or go to the website, OVPPodcast.com. Yep. Yes. All right, Quinn, it's your pick. What do you got, sir? So this week, actually, I was a little at a loss for what to do, and I was listing some things off, and I I said something about Dungeon of Doom, (laughs) and... I thought to myself, wait a second, there's one. Wrestling stables. Wrestling stables. Okay, so there's a lot of stables. Yes. This will be interesting. Now, are we going to, let's let's set some ground rules here. Are we, are we counting, like, um, for example, the Heenan family as a stable, necessarily? <clears throat> like, I don't think so, because that was kind of just the umbrella name yeah, for the guys he Yeah, or like Camp Cornet or whatever. <laughs> that wouldn't, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that wouldn't even make Death Valley, it's so irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. But, um, but yeah. like, the Nation of Domination would yeah, qualify, more like right? Yeah, or like DX. DX, something okay. like that. Okay. So I get the first pick, right? Yes. Well, I'm going to go with the obvious this time. Okay. The Four Horsemen. We are the select group known as the Four Horsemen. Yes. I mean, I would put them there, too. I was thinking them. Right. Also, the Horsemen, just because I feel like they kind of defined what a stable should be in the modern era. What's a good stable to you, Quinn? It's like a cohesiveness with the members. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just like a couple of loosely connected people for no reason. Okay. That they work together, they interfere in each other's matches. Common um, goal. Common goal. Usually, probably because the horsemen, I always identify the guys that kind of have like a tag team and a mid-carder and a main eventer. The champion, and they, and maybe. they have belts, maybe, because they work together. And maybe there is a point when they all have those titles. Right. Maybe a manager to help them yes, as well, Yes, a manager right? at times. The brains behind it all. Yeah, like a cool logo. Okay. Like, stuff like that. Just a general sense of cohesiveness and purpose. Right. Maybe a catchphrase to just encompass them, sure. like, and describe them. Like, I, I always like with the Four Horsemen, like, diamonds are forever, sure. but Four Horsemen, whatever. Aren't I, aren't forever. Yeah, I, you know. What I mean. Well, they held up the four. That, yeah, the that, symbol that, of excellence. Exactly. Things like that. The Four Fingers. The Horsemen were great. I mean, the Flair, Tully, Arn, and Oli version are really good. Eh, no, I, I mean, come on. That was the original. Yeah, I mean the original with JJ Dillon. It's okay. You don't. I, you like the Luger probably, right? Or the Wyndham? I like the Wyndham. The Wyndham. Yeah. The, to me, it's like that's more like you got the main event, or you got the tag team, and you got the mid carder. It's like I, it's I agree. That would be great. Like, yeah. It had a bad, a lot of bad incarnations though, too, Quinn. Yeah. I mean, the Jeff Jarrett fiasco in '97. Yeah, that was stupid. Although I did, I actually was a fan of the Brian Pillman edition in '95, '96. Yeah, like the reforming after they'd been gone for a couple years with Chris Voldemort and Chris uh, Voldemort. Mongo? I always thought Mongo was like a fantastic addition. Like, I know that guy would be garbage on his own, but like being in the Four Horsemen, it's like like just this big hoss that's like, hey, this guy's bothering us, and he just like, it's like, no, and he just like beats him up or something. Halliburton? Yeah. He always said the Halliburton. With his his Mongo jacket on. Yeah, and he would just stand in the back, and it's like, don't fuck with this guy. He was like your drunk uncle at a barbecue. Like, I'm gonna kick your ass! Why does it only get noticed when I hit some newscaster with shaving cream or a whiskey bottle. Steve McMichael, don't play defense without him. And I love that all the horsemen, they never can get an interview with Mongo, but every single one of them speaks highly of him. Like he was like the best thing ever to just be around. Like he was like a good guy. You know what I would say, Quinn, about the horsemen? Yeah. Why I think they deserve to be on? Because they helped, as weird as this sounds, 
I don't think Ric Flair would have been as successful if he didn't have that stable. I think the later portion of his career was more defined by being a part of the Horsemen. 86 onward, yeah, right? For like, a, that's when they started, 86? Yeah, like, it, there's only so far you can go with, like, he's a good wrestler and he always wins, <laughs> yeah, like, I right? Yeah. There has to be, like, some other thing. Yep, I agree. And the Horsemen were that. The Horsemen helped Ric Flair be Ric Flair. Right. You you had something to not only say the world title is associated with Ric Flair, but a stable of guys. And the, it makes it like it's, it's like Ric Flair's footprint is now on the show, like when Arn Anderson is wrestling someone or like, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Cool. There's an association to Ric Flair. Right. If Tully's in the ring and it puts anybody that they would in the future put in the Fort Horseman over because it's like this guy's tight with rick flair so he must be important except paul roma. yeah except paul roma i was gonna say but <laughs> yeah other than paul roma i'd have to say they go on quinn i think that's a good inaugural pick so if you're with yeah. me i'll put him on go ahead all right so that's number one yes your pick you know when you were saying about rick flair going hand-in-hand hand with something. I think uh, a stable mm-hmm. that goes hand-in-hand hand with somebody is Shawn Michaels and the D-Generation X. You know, Generation X always is a bad rap. Everybody calls it D-Generation. D-Generation X, is that us? D-Generation X, Triple H, HBK, China, Ravishing Rick, we are D-Generation X. You make the rules, and we will break them. Yeah, you know what? DX was great. Yes. That was uh, another thing that defined the later part of Shawn Michaels' first run. Yes. And I, I, I think it's, again, it's it's Shawn was at a point in his career there where it was like he was coming off that really crappy face push. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like he needed something like he came back as a heel again. Yep. But it was like there was this something missing and he, he needed something extra. And it was like degeneration X. And I felt that really like. That yeah. helped, you know, and sure. it helped a lot of people over time, I think, get over. I think so, and I think they had a common goal. Their common goal was, you know, the, to hell with authority. Yeah, it was to create chaos, basically. Let's mess some stuff up. Right. And Let's I, screw with the owner. I think it's the most, there's another stable, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Sure. But I, I feel like they're very associated with, like, the 90s, like, more even... S- like more so even than the like NWO you would say be- only because like DX there's something about like the guys in it are literally from the generation X and like yeah. there's just something about it that's like this is this generation of guys you know and generation of wrestlers that's a good point like whereas the NWO who I was going to say next anyway so I guess we'll get to them in a sec whereas the NWO was more about the violence and the taking over Right, and it was about older guys kind of saying, like, to hell with them trying to throw us out, yeah. right? It was like... DX was like, we're young, we're brash, fuck you, basically. Yeah. We're breaking the rules. They weren't trying to take over the WWF. They were trying to... It was almost more disrupt like... Disrupt it. Disrupt it, change it. Like, even, like, the language. Like, I always liked that about DX, that they acknowledged that, you know what, wrestling fans aren't... We're not, like, the most... We're not going to scoothful. Yeah, coothful. That's, that's that's probably yeah. And that it's like, but it's more of like an acknowledgement of that and like an embrace. It's like, no, we're fun and we want to, you know, we want to kick some ass and like. Sure, and it's the Howard Stern era, yeah. the South Park era at the time yeah. where dick jokes are funny. I mean, they're still kind of funny, but where dick jokes are really funny. There will be less dick references. Oh shit! Watch your fucking mouth. Oh, fuck me. God damn it. Fuck. 
You know? But you know, that's the thing with DX though. It's like we're ass kickers, but we have fun while we're doing it. And that's like right. I feel like that was the defining of that generation at the same time. And now you're mainly talking about, I would assume, the initial DX, right? Yeah, as far as the Shawn Michaels hookup, but I do really think that the second version helped put over the careers of Billy Gunn and Road Dog and Sean Waltman and Sean Waltman. Yeah, absolutely, uh, because those guys were guys that were spinning their wheels. I mean, if you see like literally what the hell Jesse James was doing before this, yep. It's like that guy was going nowhere. And Billy Gunn too. Same thing. Billy Gunn was coming off a kind of a su- sort of successful tag team. Like yeah, mildly, mildly <laughs> successful tag team. But there was really nowhere to go for him. And and X tried. Was, and X Pac was floundering in WCW. Yeah, you know it, it he was, was going to go nowhere. It was just like it was a like a big refresh for these guys. Good point. I mean, it, okay, if we're gonna put DX on Mount Rushmore, yeah. The NWO, though, we have to talk about first right. to be and, safe And here. before we head away from DX, I, I don't want to um, miss out on China, too. I think it Yes, helped. of course. China was just kind of there before. Yeah, she punched Bart Gunn and people yeah, like but, that. like, DX, gave, again, gave her an attitude and, like, sure. uh, she she started to become sort of a fun character, too, later on. Yeah, to an extent. So it's like, again, I just, it's the transformative nature of what DX could do to people who they, okay. they, they reached out and touched. Okay, you know? very fair. To the NWO we go, for comparison. Yeah. Obviously, the initial non-bloated version of it is awesome. Amazing. Now, that's like, that's probably the disruption that DX kind of spun off of. Yes, definitely. Um, that the, the idea of Hall coming through the crowd is something that will never get old to me. It, me and to neither. me, if you were to make a stable now, that's how you should do it. Ugh. Like, I mean, it really, it, it defined, like, what this is. It's like, no, this is like, these guys are taking over this company, but, like, in a more forceful way, not, like, in a disruptive way. Like, just brute force. It's like, oh, we're better than, this is garbage, WCW. Like, we're going to just, it's like, <laughs> yeah. we're from WWF. Like, this is crap. Like, baseball bats throwing people yeah. into trailers, you know, beating up Art Anderson in the like, parking lot. two of them versus, like, you know, 60 of Amazing, them. Like, right? with baseball bats, and they're, like, they're just, like, what do we do? And then, of course, what it did for Hogan's later career. Oh, my God. Honestly, I just I to me, it's still kind of unbelievable to this day. If you look at like what Hulk Hogan was, was just not anything that the NWO was. Not at all. He was not cool in that darker sense. No. At all. Until the NWO. <laughs> until the NWO. And he, he became one of the best heels of all time. Did you like honestly in 1995, did you think you'd ever say that Hulk Hogan was one of the best heels of all time. Like, did you nope. ever think that nope. would even enter your thought process? Nope. I'll and be that's honest. how freaking impactful the NWO was. Absolutely. You know what? The reason that people to this day say things like Cena should turn heel or Roman Reigns should turn heel is because of that precedent. Yes. They everybody is pining for that Hogan heel moment. Yep. And I still feel like it has never been reached. Like that is one never. Of, it is one of the holy grails of wrestling that they still haven't been able to touch. You know what I mean? Like right on. they tried it with Austin when he turned at seventeen. Vince and all Didn't that. work. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the holy grail that we had. We had hoped. No for. way. And the scene of things just been lingering and lingering. And it's like, are they going to do it? And it's like, I just. But you know what? You know why I always hold out hope? Why? Because the Hogan thing. I think that at the same time 
was something that people just never thought would happen. So it's like the fact that we're losing hope, it's almost like we're being lulled into something. <laughs> like, So I'm never going to say never on scene attorney. Like, I will never, until the day he retires, I honestly can't say. It could just happen tomorrow. Like, honestly, like... Yeah, you never know. That's how Hogan felt. Like, it just happened out of nowhere. You never know, Quinn. So with the NWO, obviously they had their low points, but they're, you know, meaning basically anything after like 97, 98. I will say if we were to define like who should be in the Rushmore of the NWO, it's the initial pre-Wolfpack black and white edition, that like initial, initial NWO. Paul Nash Hogan. I even like there was a certain element of um I did like initially the idea of this gang mentality. I did too. So there was something to be said about even the NWO that included the likes of like a Scott Norton or Buff Bagwell just because not that they're good. Yeah. But just because it added to this gang mentality before that got played out. That's fair, Quinn. Even with the, like, Virgil and stuff like that being in it. IRS. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? And they also did this, lest we forget. You know, before WF, they had the authority figure, the evil authority figure, Eric Bischoff. That is true. And I I think they never get any credit for that. Turning the authority figure bad was like, the NWO actually did that first. Yes, they did. And that was influential as well. So I say we put them on Mount Rushmore. Yep. If you're good with that. Um, But I also think, in the same breath... That DX should belong on there, too. I think, yeah, they're both defining enough. So I say we do a double selection here. Okay, yeah. Let's kill two spots. All right, Quinn. So we have got three already. We have the NWO, we have DX, and we have the four horsemen. We need one more. Do you got one? The Dangerous Alliance comes to mind. They were good. Yeah, just because it's like, I I feel like that's Paulie's baby and it brought him to prominence. I like the idea of this remix of the Four Horsemen. Essentially, yeah, for the 90s. Rick Rude and Bobby Eaton. Medusa. Steve Austin. On paper, it's a very cool, like... Yeah. It's a very cool stable. Arn Anderson. With a great manager. Yeah, and crappy Larry Zbysko. But they kicked him out pretty he, early. Yeah. So. Screw Larry Zbysko. Yeah. And, of course, managed by Paul E. I mean, Yeah, on. and just some really good heel work. And I, I really think, again, it was centered around Rick Root. It and was. I like that because it's kind of a phantom thing. It's like, like Rick Root is a cool person to center a, a faction around. And it's also neat the fact that Rick Rude was connected to DX later on down the line. And, <laughs> it's true, he was. You know, it, it, it is a very, it's an awesome stable. And actually, I think it's kind of influential in a way, too, because if you look at the structure of it, it's sort of DX-y in a way, because Medusa is a woman that can kick ass. Good point. And, like, Rick Rude is, like, he's very Shawn Michaels in his character. Kind you of know, obnoxious, obnoxious, or, ladies man. La- yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting setup, and you got an enforcer in Arn Anderson, and yeah, the still being the enforcer, which is funny. Yeah, you know, it, it's just a, it's a cool one, and I also want to kind of compare it to another one though, the Nation of Domination. We are the Nation of Domination. You think so, huh? I really think the Nation they, underrated, un, very underrated in their because. We've seen some of that early nation stuff over again. Yep. And I don't think I really got what exactly was being put across. Like, Farouk was just a badass. Great talker, too. Great talker, and he made it feel real. Like, there was this real tension 
good. Yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't particularly like the Crush Savio version. No, but I mean, it, it when it evolved into the Mark Henry D'Lo, Comma. the Rock. Yeah, the even, Godfather. Even that brief period where Ahmed turned heel and joined the nation. Holy shit. It got shit. dark. Yeah, it got like... That was good. You know what's cool about it? It's Whereas the Dangerous Alliance is more of a prototypical stable where it's got, you know, it's got this and it's got that. Like yeah. all the pieces. The nation is this weird like conglomeration of just like, you know, guys that are pissed and they and they're not gonna stand for this shit like you know what i mean and i mean that's where the rock made a name for himself right and it's, it's got the rock it had the rock and the 98 nation where they all had personalities finally yeah. was pretty fun yeah with d-lo and the godfather it was that fun. version was yeah, fun it was cool and they had a great feud with dx and i, I got one more that i okay. could throw in there sure go ahead the heart foundation the stable as the stable the new heart foundation the actual like i always think of them as the real heart so do i that's what they were initially called oh my god i forgot about them yeah brett hart owen hart british bulldog brian pillman jim the anvil neidhart anti-american feuding with dx feuding with steve austin yes oh man you know what i'm glad we did it in that order because i i like if you're going to compare those three, yeah. you got this prototypical one that's kind of a spinoff of the Horseman, it but they're is. also like a precursor to like a DX or something. Fair. You got the Nation, which is like, I like the Nation because they're like an abstract, like they're very different, they're radically different than most stables. They were, yeah. And you got the Heart Foundation, which is like a family first stable. Like it's a family stable. Like that's different too. Like, that's true. And Canadian values. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, faces international. Yeah. Faces anywhere but the US. Yeah. If you look at the program that the Heart Foundation had against Shawn Michaels and DX and Steve Austin and that whole period of time in 97, that's some of the best programming that WWF has ever produced. Right. Let's be honest. And that's some of the best promo work that Bret Hart has ever done. Yes. I mean, the formation of the Hart Foundation alone is a great moment. Yeah, USA. You're talking about a country that's based its entire history on brother against brother. They got talk shows all over this country of families airing out their family problems because they all hate each other. That whole angle... Mm-hmm. is off the charts yeah, in how good it was. And it's, it's really good. It was short-lived, but that doesn't mean it doesn't qualify. No, I, I think it more than qualifies. I think it's one of the... It, it's very impactful, the Heart Foundation. It, it was. It's very, like, memorable. You know what I liked about it? There was never anyone turning on anyone in that. No. They never broke up. They only dissolved because of, you know... Well, Montreal, you know, yeah. Pillman died in the Montreal, but they never... There was never dissension. It wasn't russified. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were a united force. They're better than the nation. Yeah, I think they're better than the nation, but are they better than the Dangerous Alliance? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I, I can concede that because I, I love the Dangerous Alliance a lot, but I, I really feel like the Dangerous Alliance, I think they're like under the radar good. Like yes. nobody really remembers them, but like if you really look back to the programs and stuff they were doing, they were it's, good. Gr- it's great stuff. It really is. But the Heart Foundation. But the Heart Foundation is more like, mm, like they, they're on impactful. the radar. Yeah. yeah. They mattered. Yeah. I think they're number four. Yeah. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's put them on. All right, folks. So we have our four on Mount Rushmore. That would Mm -hmm. be the Four Horsemen. That would be DX, the NWO, 
and the Heart Foundation. We want to know what you guys think. Let us know. You can tweet at us at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, Quinn, OVP Podcast.com, where you can uh, get all the links. All of the links. They're all there. <laughs> so I guess, Quinn, it is now time to move on to the worst of the worst. Okay. Well, I think I'll start with one that I just absolutely detest. Okay. Short lived. Okay. I just think it's stupid. All right. I don't like it. What is it? The union. (laughs) What's your problem with the union? It's so dumb. (laughs) Why? Like, first of all, Vince McMahon without, like, a jacket on and, like... That's the problem ...rolling up his sleeves like he's a working man all of a sudden. (laughs) Like, and he got guys with, like, two... It might as well be called the Jim Duggan Foundation or something. Like, (laughs) it's just weird, and they never accomplished diddly shit. That's true. Like That's nothing. a good point. Like, yeah. They, what was that? Like, who was in that? Mankind, Ken Shamrock, Big Show, and McMahon. Yeah. Was there it was another like guy? Vince McMahon got like ousted or yeah. something mm-hmm. from the corporation, and then I think it just turned around. Like the higher power, like overrode it or something. Like <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. Like, oh god. Well, we'll have to come back to that. Speaking of higher power, yeah, I'm going to throw one at you. Yeah, the corporate ministry Oof. from '99. Yeah. The merger of the corporation and the ministry where you had like 19 people in this piece of crap. <laughs> I mean, was it more people than the NWO at any time? I don't know. It's close. Is that possible? The Acolytes, Edge and Christian, Gangrel, Big Boss Man. <laughs> so weird. Big Show, Shane, Vince, Gerald Briscoe. Yeah. Pat Patterson, Undertaker, Midian, Viscera. It's kind of amazing that the, the, the union and that were all the, around the same time. Yeah, Vince Russo is the reason for that, Quinn. It's just very mishandled. Corporate um, ministry, bloated. I do think the initial, like, um, revealing, I guess, with Vince with the robe and all that. Oh, that sucked. Oh, you didn't like that? Horrible. I didn't really expect it, honestly. Horrible. Yeah, I guess. Terrible. But you know what? I have to raise that. Okay. The Dungeon of Doom. (laughs) Yeah, you might have a winner on your hands there, Quinn. Yeah, the Dungeon of Doom. First of all, why? (laughs) Well, okay, so I guess the the concept is this. this. Don't try. If there is a concept. The concept is, let's take all the stupid villains that Hulk Hogan fought in the 1980s and put them in this big, like glob of people and then like sometimes they're with the four horsemen like (laughs) for no reason and like they have some uneasy alliance with like kevin sullivan and arn anderson sullivan was in the dungeon of doom yeah but sullivan was like the leader right but like taskmaster do you remember (laughs) the task yes the task and he had the master the master (laughs) curtis ikea yeah but but he kind of like went away like faded into his own glob of fat and never came back (laughs) like in the mist on that island or wherever he was (laughs) kamala was in the dungeon of doom right yeah and um the zodiac oh god and Leslie, yeah. Oh, and well, a, uh, most notably the Yeti, the Yeti, <laughs> the Yeti. We talked about him last week. Also, um, Loch Ness, G- Loch Ness, giant haystacks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was Earthquake? The shark. The shark. <laughs> like everything was junk. Like you're and, right. And Hugh Morris. Only, I feel like the the here's this big piece of shit, right? And then they said, how can we make it an even taller bigger gigantic piece of shit to like make this like settle in that like this is like the epic finale of this yep and it's that triple decker maybe it was quadruple decker cage. cage yeah and then like 
And like it was so weird because there was like this <laughs> this strange like one cage had like a piece of the four horsemen and then there's like this other part with like Lex Luger yeah, for some why reason. Was he, why did he like, have a problem? Because well, I don't th- remember when he came in. Oh yeah, he was white like, shirt. He was like shady or something with his white shirt. Yeah, on. but like Sting wasn't with him for that part. I and Jimmy Hart managed Lex. I it was so weird. And remember Jimmy Hart joined the Dungeon of Doom. Yes, and the giant and the and Hulk Hogan didn't have a mustache. Remember. <laughs> that yes when you're feuding with kevin sullivan you're you got problems in 95 yeah, i'm sorry the, the, i'm i'm just rattling off things kevin sullivan Ke- remember when kevin sullivan was dressed like a woman in the yes. crowd and he attacked hulk Hogan? i think that's when they shaved his mustache off actually <laughs> now wasn't was big bubba in the dungeon of doom yes or was he- <laughs> why yeah because he fought Hulk Hogan, I guess. Zeus, that one time? Z-Gangster. Yes. yes. Sorry, they had to change that. You know what, Quinn? Is any further discussion needed <laughs> on this, or can we just put it's it in? It's so wildly <laughs> ridiculous. You know what? It's one of the worst. Is it fun? Kind yeah. Of, sort of. Not really, though. It really, like, if you lived through it, I felt like it ran its course, like, very quickly. You know what? You're right. I actually didn't like it at the time. But looking back, it's, like, really funny. But it's funny, but it really isn't good. No, it, it it just doesn't belong. Funny doesn't make it good, right? Yeah. All right. So, you know what? Yeah. You want to throw it into the yes. desert? The desert of doom. Here it goes. Die, die, die. All right, good. That's out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you gave me that one, right? Yeah. So, it's my pick. Yep. Do you remember Three Count? Yeah. In 99 WCW? Yep. The, they were like the Backstreet Boys. Yes. They, do you count them really as a faction, I guess? It's three guys, I right? I mean, it's, 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 it's three enough. <laughs> Evan Courageous. Who was it? Evan Courageous, Shannon Moore, and... Um, Somebody. I, uh, Gregory Helms. Shane Helms. Yeah. Sugar Shane. Yeah. Yeah. Why was there a boy band group? I just don't understand why they were like a threat ever. They seem kind of a joke. They were a joke stable. Maybe that doesn't make them the worst. Yeah, I mean, but there was one that really got on my nerves that I'm thinking of right now. And it's more recent. The Nexus. Oh, you know what? That's a great one because they were a bunch of idiots. It was just junk. Like, always. okay, so their leader is Wade Barrett. Without a beard, I always without point the, out. He <laughs> looked stupid without the beard. Yes, and I know, I like I know some people are going to be like, CM Punk took over yeah, and yeah. made it better, but it was like, it sucked. Like, it, it sucked. still sucked. Like, I always get upset that CM Punk even had to represent that garbage. Like That was bad. Who was in that Alex Riley? Like was he in that? Like, McGillicuddy. Yeah. And like, oh, God. Just anybody who, like, didn't work out from, like, NXT TV show <laughs> and, like, it just sucked. The Nexus was bad. You know what else was really bad? What? Do you remember the legacy? Oh, yeah, Manu. <laughs> That's all I think of when I think of the legacy. Remember, like, Deuce was in it, too, or Domino or one of them? Wait. Sim, the- Sim Snooka. <laughs> Wait, did they convert him by that? Oh, yes! God. And then Cody Rhodes. Yeah, well, it was mainly headlined by Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and, and Ted DiBiase Jr. Jr. And, but then they also have, like, Manu and Sim Snuka. <laughs> what? I know, like, Randy Orton is pretty good, but, like, that stable yeah. was a giant piece of crap. Yeah, that's really like sucked. That was, I remember, you and I were watching but Raw. But is it worse than the Nexus, though? I don't know. We didn't care about Legacy. We we knew it was bad at the time. Yeah, but I mean, at least it had some guys in it. Like, I feel like the Nexus Form 1, like the version 1 of it. Yeah. Like, that is some junk. Like... It is. 
Like it that is. is some real junk. And you know who I think of ha- them hand in hand with hmm. the new blood. I was going to say next, the new blood, as much as I tried to defend the purpose of them, the purpose. Listen, we watched. Yes, that, I know. And that was horrible. They stink. Like they just <laughs> stunk. They did. I know you don't like the Millionaire's Club, but at least they were like, like something. At like Hogan and Flair were yeah, in it. Yeah, like at least they could like defend themselves. The New Blood was just a bunch of goons. Like, it was, why is Rey Mysterio in this thing with no mask? Yo, Holmes. Yeah, it's just, and Kidman's like your best guy, I guess. <laughs> Kidman! And then somehow Big Papa Pump is in this. Remember, like, and he's like, you guys stink. Even yeah, he, he just, knew. Yeah, even he knew it stunk. I think that just goes on just because the people in it are, like, saying it stinks. You know what? Yeah. After watching that Thunder last week. Yeah. I have no defense for that stable. Yeah. It goes in. Die, die, die. <laughs> I got another one. Okay, what do you got? What about the LWO? <laughs> okay, well, to be f- <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> that was more of like a joke. I guess. I mean, what about NWO 2000? No, because the people in it, if you really think about it, like Bret Hart, Scott Steiner, but, Jeff Jarrett. Okay, the okay. leader is Jeff Jarrett. No, Bret That's Hart. That's the problem. Bret Hart was the original leader. Yeah, but it became then Jeff he, Jarrett. Then Goldberg, you know, had kicked his head off. <laughs> Sent him to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know, I don't harbor any animosity, you know, towards uh, Bill Goldberg in the WCW. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The NWO 2000 was bad, but what about the NWO B team? Do you count that? That was pretty crappy. Were you just talking about just the NWO that was like, with the music, it's like ding, 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 Yeah, the one that was led by like Stevie Ray or some shit. Oh, when they were like an actual separate entity? Yes. I thought you were just talking about like the B squad. No, the B team. Okay. That was pretty bad. What about Masterpiece No Limit Soldiers? You know what? I don't. I barely remember them. They're they were horrible. What about James Vandenberg's Creature <laughs> Fest? What were they? The oddities. The oddities, yeah. Quinn. Well, okay, I can. No! I can one up even the oddities. Okay, the Job Squad. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, they were so bad. I don't think they ever accomplished a damn thing. Al Snow, Bob Holly, and Scorpio. Yeah, horrible, horrible. Yeah, a Job Squad. Truth Commission. Oh wow, we're really naming them off now. We got to we got to start we got to start collecting some of these, but I know. the Truth Commission is dog shit. That was you bad. know what's even worse though? The one that's like the first version with that weird guy that the, com- the commandant? Yeah. <laughs> does anybody even know that guy's real name? <laughs> no. No one does. Bret Hart does. Okay. Bret Hart got him the job. I have a commandant, the commanding officer of the Truth Commission from South <laughs> he met him in South Africa, and he's like, you know, you're an actor. You want to do this gimmick? <laughs> the commandant! What yeah. was that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know! Was Kurgan even in it yes. at that point? Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're in. They're in. They're in. Like, no doubt about it. I agree. Like, that's, that's number three? Truth Commission stinks. There they go! Die, die, die! So we've got three already, <laughs> Quinn. This was easier than I thought. Yeah, well, there was like a plethora <laughs> so far. But you know what? I think I found one. Okay, what do we got? The right to censor. <laughs> Game over. Yep. I don't think we can find worse. I mean, did they ever do anything? Like, I remember just Ivory, like, lost wrestling in a dress at WrestleMania. Yeah. And, like, like Stevie Richards is the leader. The right to censor has fought to help this program be raised from the sewers of filth and profanity. 
The leader. The leader and the good father. The good father and uh, Bull Val, Buchanan. Val Venus, <laughs> and, but not Val Venus. And the Truth Commission's own Bull Buchanan. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah. That was bad. You know what? Wait a sec. Was Bull Buchanan in the... Um... Yeah, he was like Recon or Sniper or something. Uh, yeah, he was in the Truth he Commission. He was one of them. Okay, yeah. I don't know who the other one was, but he was Recon or one <laughs> of them. It doesn't matter which one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think... You know what's funny talking about this i think the truth commission is like the worst of the worst possibly but like it's just funny that they the guys from that like leak into some of the others that might be on this list right to censor, right to censor. oh god and to top it all off their theme oh. Oh. to sound like a car alarm going off you know all that stable was was vince mad at the ptc for, like, trying to censor the WWF. So he's like, oh, we're the right to censor now. So he made me listen to that annoying music for months. Yep. Like, six months. I was glad when they, like, got their asses whooped at WrestleMania. Like, yeah. Like, that was great. He was, he, Vince McMahon, this is the type of guy he is, he will use a tiny little personal grudge there to kill the career of Val Venus. (laughs) Or Morley, or whatever his name is. Sean Morley. Yeah. Wow. Right to censor. Yeah, they gotta be. Like, I think they're the last of this. Can you think of anyone, like, worse? On that big of a stage? Yeah. No. I don't think I can. I mean, like, WCW, ECW. The worst I can think of from WCW is probably the Dungeon of Doom. The No Limit Soldiers were bad, but whatever. God, you know what, Quinn? I think you hit upon it. Yeah, I think you hit upon it with the right to censor. If if you're game, I'm game. I'm game. All right. Die, die, die. So, folks, we've done it. We have a Rushmore and a Death Valley of the best and worst stables, factions, whatever you want to call them. But, of course, we want you to call us on the Twitter at OVP Podcast. Let us us know. Yeah, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. You can also go to our website, OVPPodcast.com, all the links, Quinn. And, of course, you can chat and leave comments. Yeah, leave comments right on the website. Right on the website. Folks, we are going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we are reviewing something. Back after this. Now, The Rock says... What makes you think that you jabronis actually have the right to tell somebody what to say and what not to say? Yeah. Good question, Rock. Amen, you jabronis. Have the right to tell somebody what to do and what not to do. Have the right to tell somebody what to hear and what not to hear. You can't tell me how to run my business and what people want to see, because if they wanted to see your kind of rustling you're talking about, that's what we would have out there. You're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, the fastest growing weekly episodic retro wrestling audio podcast in the world. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 28. Glad to have you with us this Monday, April 24th. You know, Quinn, we're reviewing something. Are we? Oh, yeah, we are. It's something, all right. It is. <laughs> we, I feel like I always say that. But you know what? This is especially interesting. Yes, it is. We, first of all, I have to give props here to Richard Land. This is where <laughs> we got Especially on this one, because... This is by request of me. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird one. <laughs> I asked Richard... You can check him out on YouTube, Richard Land. You probably know who he is if you know who we are. But if not, he's got great freaking content all over the place from like 80s 90s wwf Mm -hmm. and this guy seemingly can get like anything i don't even understand (laughs) i don't get it like where where (laughs) is this stuff sitting Uh, a nice english fellow yep and (laughs) i was like hey richard 
Do you have any access to WWF blast off? <laughs> and he's like, sure, mate. And yeah. that, that's not what he said, but <laughs> so he found it. He uploads it like a day later. Yeah. Somehow. I what? Yeah. He just was like, of course, I, f- I feel like Richard said something to, to the effect of like, like no shit. Yeah. No shit. Of course I have this kind of thing. Like, it's like you think too little of me or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like of course I have of blast off, I can get like, blast sitting up on a tape in somewhere. <laughs> and he did. And I guess we need to explain what what blast off. First of all, who reviews blast off? Yeah, I, what, this, what are we doing? We must be like the first people in the history of the internet to review WWF blast off. We might be. Yeah, because if you look it up, folks, there's not much about it. I'm Wikipedia really doesn't understand what no. the show is. Here, here's the thing: in September of '96, Quinn. Yeah. WWF kind of revamped their lineup, and a couple of the changes they made, and you might remember this from personal experience at the time, is they got rid of Mania. Yes, no more Mania. Right, which was Saturdays at 10 a.m. on USA. Right. What they put in its place was the show that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, Livewire. Right. So that took over the 10 o'clock Saturday morning time slot. Mm -hmm. Amongst the other changes is they put superstars on USA on Sunday mornings. That was one of the things. But in the midst of all this, for a very short amount of time, and I don't know why, not on USA, but on the superstation WGN, they decided, let's do a show just like Mania. Let's air it at nine in the morning on Saturday. Well, because you got to blast off in the morning. (laughs) And let's call it WWF Blast Off, and let's have Todd Pettengill host it now. This is where it gets interesting, I feel. There's a few things that get interesting here. Wikipedia says that Mania ended and was rebranded as Blast Off. Mm-hmm. But Quinn, you and I note, that's not true. Yeah, because there's a part in this where he's not in, like, the Mania, like, the normal place. And my thinking behind this is because... They were filming Livewire in that spot. They just made it look, they put a bunch of computers everywhere and shit. and like Use a different it, camera angle. Yeah, use a different camera angle, and all of a sudden, it's not the Pettengale room anymore. Right. So, first of all, with Mania, they were in the edit room of WWF. This is not in the WWF edit room, and we'll get to where it is in one second. <laughs> but first and foremost, this is not a clone of Mania. No. It is not a rebranding of Mania. I mean, it's a glorified recap show, right? It's essentially Mania, Yeah, but it's not Mania. What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. And that's the point I wanted to make. So anyway, we get a NASA-inspired <laughs> negative image intro, Quinn. Now, the date on this is um, 12 7 so we're just before In Your House, It's Time. Thank you very much. This is 12 7 This is actually one of your favorite new eras, Quinn, the pre-attitude attitude era. Yeah, I've, I've gotten into this lately, and regardless of what Scotty says <laughs> about this pay-per-view coming up, yeah. I disagree that it is awesome. It's time is awesome. Quinn and I, you and I will actually watch that together when you first got the network. Yes, I love that pay-per-view. It's Me so too. dumb that it's fun. It's fun, it's I don't care. It's not a bad pay-per-view. If, if all you care about, folks, is, uh oh, how many stars did that match get? Yeah. Well, then you're not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you just like want to appreciate the ridiculousness of it and the yeah. fun of it, it's great. Basically, I akin that pay-per-view to like, it's basically like Steve Austin just running rough shot over all the 
dumbasses that are still left over from the stupid times. <laughs> well said. So we get a, so we get this weird intro, Quinn, and you had a great quote. You said, this is them being like, hey, we don't know what's cool yeah. yet. Yeah, like, I almost, like, said, I said to you that this is almost like, um, you know how, like, Nickelodeon and, like, Pete and Pete and, like, that yeah. kind of crap? Like, you know, negative, yeah. negative colors and, like, yeah. you know, old stock footage. Like, that's this. Yep. So we are hosted by Todd Pettengill. Well, the, the Toddster. Toddster. Yes. Don't, he, he calls he himself never, that. ever doesn't say the Toddster the you're, whole show. You're right. The Toddster. And Quinn, where are we hosting from? The WPLJ <laughs> studio. Yes. Like, this is where Todd works his day job. Yes. Like, right? And, like, I told you, I was like, I bet you literally what happened here is they were filming Livewire <laughs> And they said, Todd, we can't use the the same thing, right? So, because they're, they're busy, it's set up for that, Yeah, right, right, right. And so Todd said, you know what, come to my office, and we'll just <laughs> film it there. Because literally, like, nothing has changed. Nothing has moved around. It's just the PLJ room. It is. Like, even the banners in the background. Yes. And, all this crap. And he says it's where they're from. Like, we're not guessing. He actually says. He makes says, no bones about yeah. it. We're in the PLJ, like, edit room, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like, tape decks in the background and, like, really old oscillators and yes. a bunch of wood crap. Yes, there's a bunch of wood. So, Todd, the Toddster, is in rare form this morning. Oh, he is insane, He's I got would a say. doofy blue sweater thing on. Yeah, like, Native American print. <laughs> Like, but like a cardigan. And then he slicks, he's like, look at my slicked back hair. I've got a Pat Riley look going on. And I just want to be like, how dated can this be? Like Pat Riley, he's talking about Pat Riley now. At the time, the coach of the Knicks. And I just say he looks like an idiot. He did. Time for the Todster to slick his hair back. Got the Pat Riley look going today. He's just being ultra ridiculous. He says Flash Funk is going to get Funky. Funky. And it like actually like says it on the screen. Yeah, Funky. And it's Showing like weird like clips, almost like um, you know, like that camera view when they're like, it's almost like how when they show a bomb dropping, like <laughs> you know, like the the crosshairs, yes. like on like that, but because it's, they're blasting off, Gwen. yeah, because and it's showing like wrestlers doing stuff as as Todd's the Toddster. I saw, I'm sorry, yeah. is going through everything. Then he does a horrible British accent <laughs> while talking about London, He's telling us what's what happened in London last week or ten days ago. Yeah. I want to say he says, "Don't code Steve Austin, Psycho Sid." The Bulldog, the Ip Man. And then this is great because this is 1996. So, of course, why not do a Wayne Campbell impression? Yeah, he just like out of like out of the blue, like just he's just talking and then he decides to be Wayne Campbell for like, <laughs> like literally point two seconds. Like he says two words like as Wayne Campbell and, and then just continues his sentence. He's clearly being Wayne Campbell. Yeah. Okay. And Quinn, you're like, there's way too much going on here. <laughs> yeah. It's like every 90s trope possible, like the wrapped up Jerry in one. Cole, yeah. Like Todd Sweater, Pat Riley. Yeah. The Wood Studio, PLJ. Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So we finally get something going. We go to Raw. Yeah. Double J, <laughs> Jesse Jammies versus Big Bully Bradshaw. <laughs> Like, I never realized they spelled his name like that. That is awful. Why there's two M's? Yeah, I don't know what that is. That makes it look like it's literally pronounced jammies. And it's not how it's really spelled, either. It's it's just James. Yeah. They Jesse say James. James. Yeah, it's But it's James. Je- Double Day Jesse Jammies. Against Big Bully Bradshaw. 
Yeah. Justin Hawk Bradshaw. You know that big bully that we yeah. all know. He's still employed. By, both of these guys are still employed by this company. <laughs> so, of course, Double J, uh, Jesse Jammy, sings the song that we all love. Spend my day working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep Okay. So, Vince and King are on commentary, of course, because it's raw. He is bad in yeah, this, we'll, by the way. We'll get to that, because yeah. he's really bad. The crowd, I just need to say, is dead. You notice that, well, Quinn? we hit hour number 73 of this yeah, filming? whatever yeah. taping this was. <laughs> and then, Quinn, you have a great quote. This match sucks. Bradshaw <laughs> is a piece of shit. How is this guy WWF champion at one get it. point? I don't get it. This guy doesn't have any, like, star material written on him. No, he's just big. He's just big, and he's just there. It's just clear that Vince just always liked him, because he's putting him over huge in this match. Yeah, like, he's some big superstar, and he's got the guy, he's got Uncle Zeb with him, yeah. and he's got the, what is that thing? The branding iron. The branding iron. Yeah, the it's, just, it's just a stamp. That's awful. Like, Zed actually does wind up interfering for a little bit, and yeah. then, but he just like touches like Double J's head, and Quinn. You, yeah, I was like, at this point, I'm like, why wouldn't he just use the branding iron that yeah. he's been carrying around the whole match and just you know sear his eyes out or whatever? <laughs> Which, by the way, none of that makes sense because branding iron you need like hot coals or some heat source, so he just carries around essentially a stick that is like a stamp <laughs> on the end of it, like. It I, might as well say paid or faxed on yeah, it, you know? Yeah, it, it's really dumb. <laughs> and they act like it's hurt, hurting them or something, you I know? know? I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Now, this was weird. Even though this crowd was dead the whole entire match, and believe me, folks, this is a very bad match. It really is. Oh, it's this like, is... There was, like, no comment the whole time. Yeah, we're just, we're like, just like, what are we watching? Yeah. Like, Why did they replay this? But anyway, the crowd <laughs> actually pops for, like, a regular vertical <laughs> suplex by Double J. I swear. Well, good for them, I guess. <laughs> I said either yeah. of these guys could win this match. They're both that useless. Yeah, because we were like, who's going to win? And Quinn's like... You, well, you were yeah. very sure Justin the Hawk Bradshaw was going to win. <laughs> and I said, are you sure? Because, like, literally these guys are at the exact same level. Anybody could win. Speaking like, of Bradshaw, though, Quinn, you said to me, you're like, why was he Justin Hawk Bradshaw and not Justin I the Hawk? This. I hate whenever they do this. Like, Justin hawk bradshaw like why is he where's the the like he's the hawk you're not just justin hawk bradshaw that's so stupid well he was the hawk but he wasn't the hawk he was, he was justin hawk. hawk he wasn't the hawk he was just hawk what it always bothered me too when they would announce brett hart as brett hitman heart rather than brett the hitman heart i don't know i mean they, but they revolve too they just they would say it like finkel said brett hitman he would say that but then every other announcer said brett the hitman yeah like mcgurk mel phillips he's Bill the hitman Dunn. he's not hitman well thomas hitman hearns is where he took the n name from well i don't care that sounds stupid randy the macho man savage or randy macho man savage that one's different <laughs> during during something important, folks, during this match, I don't know what it was because the camera cuts away to a view from like the fucking ceiling. <laughs> yeah, what was, there was that? Something they they go out to the outside to like fight or something. So the cameraman decides, you know what? I'm going to go to that cool ceiling view I have now. Like, <laughs> you know, like you know, like in the Royal Rumble video game for SNES, where yeah. it shows like the arena and the shot. rings like a dot. Yeah, in that's the what it was. Yeah. Why cut to that? <laughs> anyway, so Zeb interferes again. Lariat gets the win for Hawk and uh, Quint. You're like, hey, couldn't even beat him clean. He couldn't. He couldn't beat him even clean. It's Jesse Jammies. Like, really? 
Like, really? The hawk can't get that, or I'm sorry, hawk can't get that done? It's another thing. You call him Justin Hawk Bradshaw. What about, is he related to Hawk from Legion of Doom? Well... If he was the hawk, it would be a difference, right. though, wouldn't it? You're right. You're right. And then we do get that fake branding iron that you were yeah. talking about. Stupid. Tattoo. This is this is great. Yeah. Todd, we go back to Todd, and he's yelling about the match. He's, he's so upset He's about so it. mad. Uncle Zebakaya, Yosemite Sam lookalike. Get in there and fight him, boy! Then, then, this is we get a quick <laughs> promo. Now, this I'll I want you to explain it, Quinn, but I'll just say what the match is. But yeah. please explain the logic. We get a promo for a handicap match next week. That's right. Jesse Jammies has challenged JBL and Uncle Zeb. Okay, for a handicap match. This is I have such a big problem with this. You just lost a match because he interfered. Right. So the way you decide to resolve this is you you know what? Instead of you like having to sneak around to interfere, no, just be in the match and then you both can attack me at the same time. What the hell? Like what the hell, Jammies? Like how do you not like understand like how a fight works? You're a professional freaking wrestler. It's ridiculous. You're right. I agree. See, I'm going to invite him in and say I could have like a steel cage match or something yeah. so that he can't get in or lock him in a cage or yeah, put him in a in, you know the bird cage or yeah. whatever above the ring. But no, let's fight them both. He, wouldn't he just lose anyway? Yeah, screw you, Jammies. You're an idiot. You deserve to lose. Go be with your baby tonight. Yeah, we get more British accent from Todd, and then and then. Because it's in the nineties, <laughs> I can't even what a Bill Cosby dance and impression. Yeah, like the Jello kind impression. Yeah. Like, um, the thing with the wooden thing. Yeah, he's doing that thing like he's like Mister Cool or something. He was a revolutionary. Yeah, gotta do my Bill Cosby. There's so many cults and a smile. You see, ready for Flash Funk versus the Goon? Because that's what we're getting. Well, I have to say this is a historic first appearance for the Goon on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've True, always we, talked about him like he's him. been in the peripheral, but like now he's like in a yep. match that we're reviewing. That's true. So for a guy, let's say like Donnie, who might not know who this is, the goon was a hockey player wrestler. Yeah, and he had like <laughs> fake ice skates on. And a jersey and everything. Yeah. And he was a really crappy brawler named yeah. Bill Irwin. Yeah, he was just junk. He was in the like, Desperados, right? In yeah, WCW. He, he was part of that four with guys. Dead-Eyed Dick and Black Bart and all no, that. No, but part of the four, four oh, guys yeah, yeah, that yeah. came in with Cornette. Yeah, T.L. Hopper. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sal Sincere. The Pug. And the Pug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as Flash comes down and he's dancing with oh, the funk Oh, weird. Yeah, so Flash is doing his usual. Then we just cut to Todd in the studio in black and white for and no with reason. with the music, like, they're putting this, like, over Flash yeah. Funk's entrance. Like, right. he's walking to the ring. You can hear his music. And it's a clip of Todd dancing with his Toddettes. The Toddettes, he calls them. In yeah. black and white, too, for no reason. And like that weird, like, every other frame, like, <laughs> slow-mo style. Yeah, it made no sense. It, and, like, the Toddettes are literally, like, you can tell, just, like, interns or oh, something. Oh, hell yeah. They don't and even not know. even interns that work for WWF. I PLJ bet. PLJ interns. They're probably PLJ interns. That's horrible. Yeah. That's, like, the worst you can get. It's pretty bad. Have you ever listened to PLJ? It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> He's not good there. I'm sorry. No. He's better on WWF. He should have kept his night job. Seriously. Yeah. Because you ever listen to that show that he used to host or he still does but not the with The Z Mornings. No, not the No, no, no. The, the, the Big Show. The Big Show. Sorry. Big show on PLJ. <laughs> the Big Show. Well, yeah. The Big Show. It yeah. used to be with Scott and Todd and now it's like 
Todd and Jada. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, really. Yeah. So as Flash is doing like a 450, this is a good move. Yeah. In 96, Flash Funk is doing a 450, a backwards 450. Which is very rare. From the top turnbuckle to the outside. Yes. So that's the perfect time to cut away to the roof cam. <laughs> yes, they do. They, it's like, you know that, you know that 450? We don't need to see that. Let's, let's look at the whole crowd like it's Royal Rumble on 92 for NES or Super Nintendo or whatever. Quinn, you also mentioned that Goon's haircut is like yours from eighth grade. Yeah, it's basically like your typical 90s kid haircut. Big fluffy mushroom yeah. cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I Short remember. on the bottom, fluffy on the top. Yep. I remember that hair. Goon gets some great offense, a punch. Yeah. <laughs> Suplex. <laughs> He does get a suplex. I was surprised. I've never really seen the goon do many moves. So, <laughs> a suplex. Uh, I want the goon to win. I'm not going to lie. Me too. Flash Funk stinks in his mustard, whatever. Colored yeah. Jumpsuit. You know, I always said he stunk when he was like the full body suit. When he had but a then shirt, when he took yeah. the shirt off, but just had the, the still the Flash Funk pants and boots, he was better. Sometimes the shirt can make the difference. Randy Savage? Yeah, exactly. It's better true. without a shirt? It's true. Okay, it's fair. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to an annoying clip of Shawn Michaels waving. Like, In like a referee shirt or something. Yeah, waiting waiting for his interview. He's like, hey, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. By the way, Vince McMahon informs us there's a tribute to the recently deceased Tiny Tim coming soon. Oh, no. King, because of that one little minor incident he had with Tiny Tim in like 93... Yep. Decides to just keep making fun of and laughing about the fact that Tiny Tim is dead. I'm not my usual jovial self. I'm grief stricken <laughs> over, over the fact that Tiny Tim has kicked the bucket, McMahon. He's doing this not only here. Every match. Now, first of all, he does it here. And then Vince almost has to, like, like convince him to stop. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, this isn't okay. Like, he's like, shut. Basically, he's he doesn't say it, but you can almost tell that even off camera, he's like, shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and then, but down in, like later in the show, he, he's still doing it. Yeah, it, it gets worse. Yeah. So Flash misses a moonsault, and Quinn, you pose the big question to me. Can the goon win? I was, for one second, like, oh my god, <laughs> did we find the episode of Blast Off where the goon wins? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so Funk wins with, like, I guess, a botched 450. There's a leg drop or something involved in this. He, like, he, he kind of makes it look okay. It's like he basically hits the leg. I think what happened, Joe, is it looked botched, but I'm pretty sure he landed it, because he used to also do the one where he landed, like, did the leg drop. Oh, he did? Of, yeah, he did do that. Well, then he didn't botch it, and he just won. Yeah, it was just the camera angle made it. Okay. It was, like, from the wrong side or right. something. Yeah, but yeah. the camera work on that Raw was really weird. Yeah. Anyway, we go back to Todd without the Toddettes, and just so you know, because this is very important, Quinn, at In Your House It's Time, Flash Funk will take on Leaf Cassidy. Yeah, and Todd acts like it's going to be this, like, really great encounter. It's like, this is probably, like, the opening match or it something. It is. Yeah. I remember it being the opener. Yeah. So then we get that Shawn Michaels interview that we were talking about, and he's got, like you said, Quinn, this awful striped, like, referee well, shirt. Well, striped in, like, wait, is it the other one? No, it's like basically a referee shirt. It is, and it's like, but it's like green, dark green stripes, dark red. Yeah, well, red. he's also wearing like, you know when you wear an undershirt, you're supposed to wear like a color that doesn't see through, like yeah. white? He's yeah. got like a dark green, like, <laughs> just like undershirt on underneath, like, and his collar's open, so like, it yeah. really, he just looks stupid. Yeah, this interview is junky. Even even you, Quinn, the biggest Shawn Michaels fan, you even said to me that you don't like this version no, of him. No, I hate this version of him because he's like, 
I'm not afraid of what people think, kids. Like, you yeah. know, like, like it's like, be yourself. It's one and of like, those. It's like, this is like not the Shawn Michaels character at all. Yeah, the Shawn like, Michaels character that you and I both really liked was the assholeic version. Yeah, it's not like he tries to defend himself for being different. Right. Like, he just is different, and he's a jerk, and he doesn't care. He doesn't, like, announce that he doesn't care. Right. Like, exactly. That's stupid. I got long hair, got tattoos, got my belly pierced, Certain guys they don't like. So he does that blah 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 interview, and then this was awesome, and not probably for a good reason. <laughs> this is pretty good, actually. We go back to like this close up of Todd at the PLJ studio, and he defends. All serious. He is defending Shawn Michaels in this lengthy, <laughs> lengthy monologue. Like I mean, three minutes. This is like Mean Gene on All American. Yes, like this monologue. It's like they had decided Todd's going to be this like this voice of a generation or something, and he's going to tell us that like Shawn Michaels is such a de- like he defends the title all the time. He's he's better than Bret Hart is now. Yeah, like, he, he does like charities going, and fundraisers. He's so good. Blah, blah, blah. Like shut up. I was like. A amazed by this and does he have like another monologue later yes, about something which else? is really good yeah so then we get something this is the best part of the show starting right now this is where the show gets good because first of all we get a clip of brett and owen yeah brett and owen two yeah. weeks ago on raw with the short boy hair like <laughs> owen owen yeah looks so goofy instead of that drippy like yeah. wet hair that he had in 94 yeah. and five <laughs> so whatever match i guess they had on raw a couple of weeks ago then austin storms in and beats up brett until the bulldog makes the save yeah weird really weird bulldog's a heel obviously yeah and, uh, teaming with owen i love that angle by the yep. way that whole angle the whole way it played out we actually alluded a little bit to it with the heart foundation right i mean this is kind of the start of it this is the seeds are being planted here. Mm. So then we get another clip of the bulldog brawling with Austin and then Sid from London. Yeah, now we're in England. Now we're in England. Then Brett saves Bulldog from a powerbomb from Sid. Now also, just to note, doesn't Brett have some weird, like, red yes. variation of his stuff? Like, red, not his pink. His attire's, like, red or something? Yeah. I don't know. Then Austin attacks Brett from behind. Remember that, Quinn? He just knees him in the back? Yeah, it's so weird because I was, like, looking at my phone, like, briefly... You're like, he just attacked him. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I yeah. looked, like, I swear, yeah. I looked down for, like, less than a second. And Austin knees Brett in the back and he just and runs leaves. away. Yep. Like, so then Sid chokeslams Brett. This whole thing was a scene, and it was all filmed on, like, one handheld camera in, in London, England. yeah. Yep. Then we get backstage promos from England. With the, like, foggy cam or yes! whatever, like, the handheld. So Austin bitches about everybody. Sid, <laughs> Bulldog, Owen, yep. Brett. It's chaos, man. Everybody wants to get involved in Steve Austin's action. Then Bulldog bitches about everybody, and Owen calms him down. Yeah, he's like, we're tag champs, and right. we just have to focus on... <laughs> I don't know who the hell they were fighting, LaFon or... <laughs> no, uh, no, it was it was Big Daddy Cool fake edition and yeah. Razor fake. And then, I just want to mention, like you alluded to, Quinn, they're all filmed in, like, some shitty locker room on like VHS. Yeah, this is like the quality is like amazingly low, but like in a good way. It's like gritty. It looks like ECW. Yeah, it does. It's really cool. Then, I I thought this was over. Then we hear from Brett and he's like, Stone Cold, I'll see you down 
down the road. Awesome. Stone Cold, I'll see you down the road. It, it was, was. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Then we cut to Sid yelling about Lot, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. But no. yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, this did the typical, I'm going to get everyone because I'm the master and ruler of the world. Basically. That type of thing. Yeah. You know, grinning into the camera. Yeah. This is where Todd shines. And I do mean that. I'm not being sarcastic. He's good here. He's really good because he's basically like, what the hell's going on anymore? Yeah. Because you think about the era that Todd started in in 93. It's peaceful and easy Just going. standard. New generation. WWF. Sid. Yeah, everyone's rising. Diesel. And, yeah. Mabel. Yeah. You know, Adam Bomb. Right. What is going on with all the chaos here in the World Wrestling Federation? Hi, right, you got the hitman Bret Hart coming on. Stone Cold Steve Austin was there as well. And I don't know what's going on with the British Bulldog and Bret Hart. I know they're not friends. I know Bret can't stand it. And I don't trust the British Bulldog either. I don't care what anybody says. He's setting us up for something. Then you got Psycho Sid with the hitman and you got the choke slam and he's down and whoo. This is the Vince Russo starting to throw ideas out it's there. It's starting to get dark. And, starting to and get a little the dark. The Toddster might not be ready for it. A little gray, right? Yeah. A little shades yeah. of gray. So Todd is basically like, what's going on here? Everyone's getting choke slammed, fighting. And I'll give the dude credit. He has energy. He is selling no, this. No, he's good. He's a great successor to Mooney. I he is say. inferior, but not by much. He's no. still good. He still likes the product. He does. He has energy for it. He has zeal. So he hypes in your house. It's time. And then he says, it's time for him to take his medication. What? And then it goes to commercial. And then this is second weird thing. (laughs) This must be like either a a production botch or a satellite feed because we just get a black screen that says in white font commercial break number two. You know what's interesting? I'm not sure if it's even a satellite feed as much as was this actually the one that was in the can, like the tape that was in the can that they you know sent out to before it went before they edit in the commercial for television richard land i know you're listening to this tell us where you got this and if you know what that's what what that's about maybe yeah, it seems like a production tape thing because it's, yeah. it's, it's language like this is where you put the commercial right from. maybe we're wrong yeah we could be wrong and maybe it's just whatever but richard if you know anything about that let us know so, we're back, and the Toddster says the big show rolls on. <laughs> Do you now, think he's saying that because of PLJ and he well, like, messed up? Well, it's not because of the big show, the wrestler. No, well, yeah, I'm saying the big show, his show. <laughs> he's calling that because he's in the PLJ studio. He's all confused. So. <laughs> we get a graphic of an upcoming match. Owen and Bulldog versus Razor and Diesel, the fake editions. Yeah. That looks thrilling. Quinn, you said to me, why does Razor look so stupid? He does. It's just his, he's like all mushy. Mushy. And I I just, I never got like why (laughs) they ever thought this was a good idea. Like it really is stupid. It is. And it is weird to think that like at the same time, they were positioning the fake Razor and Diesel to challenge for the tag titles while the Outsiders were the tag champs I know, it's on weird, WCW. Right? Like, do you think, like, I, I know you, you kind of said no, but like, I, I think part of Vince wanted there to be a moment where the outsiders were the tag champs on WCW and fake Razor and Diesel were the tag champs on WWF. I mean, it's possible now that I think about it, but it was a bad idea. And thankfully, yeah. they didn't win the tag titles. It's like, let's sabotage our tag division so I can have a grudge against Scott yeah. Hall and Kevin Nash yeah, that's, and Eric Bischoff. That's what it would have been. Yeah. So we get a clip. This is a great match. I'm not serious. Uh, we get a clip from Raw of fake Diesel versus Phineas. And, yeah, and I say, hey, it's the mayor of Cobb County or wherever he's from. <laughs> Glen Rock. Yeah. That's Glen Rock. <laughs> Mayor Kane. Yeah, Mayor Kane. <laughs> Vince calls Phineas a load. 
He just says load. He doesn't <laughs> he's just finish. a load. He just, he's a load of something. Hillbilly Jim's at ringside, Quinn. How is he still there? He did nothing in 96 except wear that denim jacket yeah, and, and be useless. sing the dumb song and have like a goat or something with him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you weren't making that up, yeah. but that's pretty true. Uh, so I got to say this about this fake diesel, this cane here. Yeah. He is working as lazy as the real Kevin Ash. Aww. So there's that. Well, that, got, that's on purpose. He got the part right. He I got guess. the part right. Fake Razor Mushy himself interferes, Mr. Oatmeal Face, and yeah. then <laughs> D- Diesel with a horrible jackknife on yeah, He Phineas. Like, almost drops him, but honestly, I don't blame him because Phineas is like 350 pounds or something. Nash would have had that shit, though. Yeah, but that's a lot of weight. Like, he dead. Like if you notice, he slips, but then he like deadlifts yeah, him in midair. Cannot so, like, drop him. I have to say, he must be actually really strong if he could like slip and still like no i'm gonna keep picking you up like, that's true he, like, he did save it from being botched yeah todd thinks razor and diesel are winning the tag titles i mean it might have been in the cards uh, i'm glad it didn't happen yeah. though yeah so royal rumble promo yeah we're doing this already with mm. george and adam yeah we got george and adam <sighs> already i always got a kick out of jordan adam because you even laughed at this commercial i did because i'll tell you why so they're allegedly in the locker room in san antonio yeah as if as if like the wwf guys would already be there that's my favorite part about this is the the idea that these guys have been sitting in the <laughs> alamo dome or whatever for like two months or whatever waiting for this waiting the show to start how'd they get in <laughs> I don't know. Well, is, is remember, nothing else going on in the they, Alamo like, Dome? Are they like the official fans of the WWF or something? Yeah. So they find a big boot, a giant size 16 shoe. And this is actually kind of funny. So one of them, I don't know which one's which. Let's just say Adam. I think George is the one with the glasses. Perfect. So mm-hmm. Adam's like, who do you think it is? And George is like, it's Yokozuna. And they show clips of Yokozuna. Mind you, <laughs> Yoko hasn't wrestled since Survivor Series and, and, and never clip, would. And in the, the clip, he doesn't have boots on and that's the punchline is yeah. uh adam's like yokozuna doesn't wear shoes <laughs> and he, I thought he like it was hits him funny. in the head he like yeah. flicks him in the head or whatever i left yokozuna doesn't wear shoes yeah. so back to the toddster he introduces this weird ass tag match very weird speaking of dx quinn it's triple h and billy gunn yeah together at last the blue blood and the blue jeans well <laughs> dusty jeans okay they're or actually they are. like dust colored Gold in this dust one jeans i don't know <laughs> but uh they're facing the wild man mark morrow yeah miro <laughs> and jake rob yeah jake Roberts. and not this is like jake with no shirt on like kind of drunker yeah, looking he looks <laughs> disgusting it, it's sad it looks he looked better at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I I'm swear. serious. Yeah. At like 60 or 50 something years yeah. old, he looked better than he here. looks awful here. Yeah. So the crowd is still dead. It's the same Raw. This Raw seemed terrible. Billy Gunn, not only does he have the weird dust colored pants, he has the black boots. Yeah. It's really weird because usually when he wore those dust pants when he was in the smoking guns or whatever, like he had um dust like pants. brown, like construction brown boots. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Like he had those on so it was a weird attire there for billy gunn it is weird attire yeah marrow has a ponytail which is also weird yeah and also isn't billy gunn like rockabilly i'm not not yet okay that's that's not yet okay he's just not with the smoking guns anymore right he's on his own now he's just this is that weird transition period before like honky tonk got involved and all that yeah he's just singles wrestler billy gunn okay so quinn i noticed this the ref here some freaking how 
is Billy Silverman Listen, again. I swear he was like an ECW like at the same exact and time. And WCW. Yeah, I'm yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like he was like everywhere. Like was he ref for hire? I don't know. He was in AWF like a year earlier, yeah, remember? What was that? Why is he everywhere? <laughs> Was he on the outs with Vince and he would kind of just do like freelance or something? Are they allowed to? I don't know. He is he a scab ref? I never saw Earl Durrell anywhere else except for there. Well, I mean, there is a ref union, so No, he, there's not. Yeah, remember the the when the refs went on strike in ninety nine or whatever? <laughs> don't you remember this? You got me. Yeah. I thought you were being serious. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. You know who the only ref was and not crossover? Jimmy Corderas. Oh. Fun fact. Interesting. Yep. Anyway. Quinn, you noted a few things here. One is that Sable is very like, oh, Randy. Sable is like, this is the time period where they had, they didn't know. Like, I, I think Vince only knew one way to do a pretty lady on TV. A face. A yeah, face a face pretty lady. pretty lady was that she's Miss Elizabeth. Because <laughs> this is like, she is ultra like Miss Elizabeth. She is like, always with a concerned look on the face. Yep. Clutch, like her hand over her mouth. Yep. Like, oh no. Yep. He's gonna die or something yep. like and you know in the gown and like yep. the whole thing like it, it's just it's miss elizabeth and that's why i always say it's oh randy like you know like it's, she, that's what mode she's in right now you also noticed that she's clapping like vanna white yeah this is really weird so during the match she's like clapping but then she's like walking from side to side so you know how like when vanna white turns the letter she claps and then she walks to the other side of the thing yeah. and then this but this kept happening like she 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 claps goes to the other side claps again yep. goes back to the other side it's true that really happens back and forth the whole match one thing that happens here that i thought was very strange quinn and i know you and i <laughs> laughed about it is vince gets all mad that triple h tags out yeah what in a tag like match? It's, he's like how dare he like what <laughs> that's the rules Vince. sorry like he's, he's not even breaking any rules Whoa, give me a break look what? at that did you see that tag what? on a part of that coward Helmsley? So Jake signals for a DDT or another drink. I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to tell, but he signals for something. Billy Gunn then reverses the DDT, and I actually cheered for it, and I feel horrible cheering for Billy Gunn. Well, he is the one. <laughs> so maybe he's the one that did that to the DDT. <laughs> Mr. Ass himself. Yeah. Future DX here, (laughs) they get knocked into each other and start arguing, so Jake uses this opportunity to um, fat himself (laughs) into Triple H, I guess. Yeah. He just, like, bulks into him. I can't describe it. He just, like, my gut. Quinn, you wouldn't shut up about Sable's boobs this whole thing. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, she looked pretty. She she did. Yeah, I... And she was res- younger. I'll be tasteful. I, she looked good. She was 29. Yeah, she was 29. She was younger than we are. Yeah. She, which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. She did look good, though. She did look good. And not good. in like a, like, you well, know. But this was before that. I feel like they like. She wasn't sexed up or yeah, anything. Yeah, they didn't like. She just looked pretty. She just looked like a pretty person. Like, that was like the last time she ever did. Yeah. Marrow hits the wild thing on triple horse, and that gets the win. So, that was our main event, by the way. I guess if you can call it that. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> our well, main we got blast. to see DX Futures. So. <laughs> yeah. Our main blast. I wonder what the stock price of DX Futures was at that point. <laughs> Not very high. We head back to Todd, who is so excited about Mark Marrow. At least he didn't call him Morrow this time. Yeah, at least this time, like how he did at the beginning, he didn't do the Mark Marrow, like, peace sign over his eyes or whatever. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Recap, folks, of Rocky Maivia with Jim Cornette trying to be his manager. Yeah, I go, the rock looks like shit. 
And he's got like the dangly, like dangly ones, like the streamers, streamers, like hanging from his neck, like so, like all around, like his neck thing that's like bo- made of bones. I don't know. It's really weird. And his chia pet haircut. Yeah, he the, he. This is like the worst. And he has an earring. He's an earring, like. The Rock was a doofus, like, before he was cool or whatever. He did look like a big doofus. Yeah. And Cornette tries, you know, you're going to be my manager, motherfucker, motherfucker. And then Rock's like, when you lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. He's like, it's said that way all across the world or something. What? I I don't hear that every day. So, of course, Cornette gets mad and says he can teach someone in five minutes to beat The Rock. Who's he going to teach? The goon? (laughs) Like, Yeah, because that whole freaking stable those four guys that came in were cornet's idea yeah and camp cornet isn't exactly rocking at this point no i can just imagine cornet being being like oh you know we'll get we'll get bill Irwin in here who wants bill Irwin in the wwf i don't know tracy smothers like what planet is he on (laughs) as as vince russo said (laughs) it's 1996 jim cornet people don't care anymore yeah go back to kentucky or wherever you're from that's what he said to him like this year on livewire which was probably on like right after this like and look i'm not i'm not anti-cornet i'm saying this because it'll probably lead into what we talk about yeah at the end of this i'm not anti-cornet he he should just shut the hell up sometimes yeah Yeah, that's all so we go back to todd to close it out he says he has to leave he's like (laughs) i need to get out of here and i i remember i said to you i was like no he has to go do his show because they probably did this right before the plj show (laughs) i mean why else would he go to the studio if he wasn't working there that day Right, exactly it makes no sense for him to be there yeah why make him go to that studio right in new york city yeah he didn't live in new york city they came to him though yeah probably no 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 they probably did so to close out the show we get it they've been hyping this the whole show i didn't mention it on purpose (laughs) they've been hyping a very special mankind undertaker music video now all it is is just a a video a video package with music over it like i guess was this the first time this happened because todd is like it's the coolest music video like he's so excited he keeps calling a music video and it's it's mtv or something and it's not really a music video it's like your normal just a normal package package with like you know sound clips and and fighting and stuff it's weird it's a recap package it just goes off the air to 1996 titan sports underneath it yep undertaker wants to kill mankind that's kind of the bottom line yeah basically i'm gonna to murder you i'm gonna like, kill you yeah so that's the end of that show not a bad show no not bad at right? all right it was you know quick entertaining watch you know what was it like 50 minutes or 45 yeah, minutes no commercials uh thank you so much richard land for- yeah <laughs> i don't know how this guy does it i don't know like is there even any more documented blast off episodes that's hanging around somewhere Quinn like, and i this morning which of course is today because we're live yeah we're you know trying to look up any more info about Blastoff and literally, folks, besides Wikipedia, yeah, there's nothing. There isn't anything. Yeah. And Wikipedia only has it mentioned under the Mania entry, which I believe is erroneous. This is not WWF Mania. No. There, it's similar. There's something different about it. Like, it's a similar show. Right. But it's not just Mania with a different name. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a different concept going on here, and I don't know what it is, and I don't think it never really came to fruition. I don't know when like, this show ended. Yeah. I, I really don't. I know that it started. I mean, it could have gone off right after this episode. Like, right. It could have. I know it started September 21st, 96. That's documented. And I know I saw one of the very early ones in 96, you mm-hmm. know, in September or October. 
You, I think you said you yeah. did too, Quinn. You saw one. Yeah, I think so because WGN, I could get it at my dad's or something, uh-huh. like, but it wasn't at my mom's because it just different parts of Jersey could get different WGN. Cable. Yeah. yeah. So I saw like one, I think, in yeah. 96. I don't know when it ended. It might have ended in the early 97. This might have been the last one for and what, all we know. What's weird is if I'm remembering right, I probably didn't even see this show from like the beginning. Like, because I didn't remember the opening graphics, but I swear I remember Todd being in a WPLJ yep, studio I remember that at too. some point. Like, I didn't realize it was WPLJ, but, but I like definitely a radio remember the place, studio. Like yep. with the tapes in the back. Absolutely. Yeah. So my thoughts on this, Quinn, are this. We were talking about this after we watched it. Mm-hmm. You can see, because Vince Russo didn't have the book yet. He was it's he was part of the book. He had a couple pages. In, <laughs> he wrote the Ford. Yeah, he was becoming influential, but there was still very much a committee at this point, right? Because a lot of that Hawk Bradshaw crap is Jesse like, James. Yeah, Jesse James. Flash All that Funk junk is very cornetty. Right. Yeah. It's very cornetty. And you can see the good versus the bad as far as what was going on. At the this main time. event seems seems to be firmly in Vince Russo's hands though at this point. And why is that? Shades of Grey, actual motivations for the characters, chaos and chaos and, and like animosity for things. But like, it's not it's not the Russo that he would later become typecast for, which is no. the swerve for the sake of the swerve. And, no, this and is well tits. written and like I love the ideas that Vince Russo had in that time of. Um, intersecting storylines like right. this guy doesn't like this guy but because you know he had a match with one other guy that you know now he doesn't like that guy also but in turn the person he's feuding with might help them he might not right like it's like that's the best part yeah it's just all confusing i think it's it's well summed up with the austin bulldog brett thing because austin clearly does not like brett hart right right now bulldog and brett don't get along either Right. But that does not mean that Bulldog likes Austin. No. Just because Austin doesn't like Brett, that doesn't mean Bulldog and Austin yeah. need to like each well, other. Well, heels shouldn't like each other either way. Why should they like anybody? They're always after themselves. Right. Right? So but Russo nailed it. Yeah. If that's him, I think it is. Well, it seems like him because it's so drastically different than this old plotting junk of, I'm gonna like, challenge you to a handicap match because you interfered yeah what like uh, like literally folks it was like cringy like, I was watching at the time I know you were too Quinn yep. and maybe most of you were no one gave a shit about any of that stuff about jammies and all about that. jammies and and Bradshaw and flash fuck yeah and like all this stuff those guys were crap no one cared yeah fake razor and diesel people cared about the real characters with real motivations like bulldog and owen like yep. bret hart like and austin sean michaels austin yep. yeah exactly even undertaker of mankind i always found michaels actually one of the most interesting guys of this time because he was like this weird wild card whereas like he was the he was portrayed as the best athlete. Yes, he was. But he had such an attitude problem. He was an and asshole, it, yeah. And he would get himself in trouble with the likes of Sid and stuff. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it was interesting. He would just go a little too far over the line. Yeah. But folks, we want to continue to find the line. So if you want to drop us one, you can do that by reaching us at Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Of course, Quinn, they can check us out on a plethora of places. Yep. There's iTunes, Google Play Music, yep. Stitcher. Uh, Player.fm. Yeah. And of course, the website. Yeah, the website, OVPPodcast.com. So folks, if you have any suggestions, what should we what should we review? If you have any 
agreements or disagreements with the Rushmore and Death Valley, anything at all, let us know. We are happy to hear from our fans. Yes, we love to hear from them. That's right, we really do. So folks, have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. We will see you next week for episode 29, and after that, it's the season finale. Wow. Wow. Folks, have a great day. We will see you soon. See ya. just boggles my mind. People have such short-term memories. Here's a guy in my mind, Shawn Michaels, that replaces the hitman Bret Hart as the fightingest champion of all time. Puts the title on the line constantly when he had it. Every night if somebody wanted it, right? He's out there taking risks for you, the fans, because Shawn said it. People of the World Wrestling Federation, all the fans show up to see one thing, and that's the heartbreak kid, and I agree with that. Yeah, there's other WWF superstars just as awesome, but Shawn Michaels goes above and beyond. Charity functions as the World Wrestling Federation champion. There's a million of them. Sean shows up for every single one. He's been on this radio show a number of times. I just call him. Sean, I need you for something. Todd, what time? You want me there? I'm there. That's the kind of guy Sean is. And then people say Sean Michaels isn't a role model. See, I think just the opposite is true. For the compassion he showed towards Jose Lothario shows he's not a one-dimensional person. That's a role model to me. Somebody who shows compassion for their fellow man. He gave up the World Wrestling Federation title, a childhood dream, because a friend, a mentor, was in trouble. And we all know the World Wrestling Federation... Will you stop? stop, stop, stop.